listening to the sermon audio from Renaissance Church. We pray this message equips you to be formed into the image of Christ as you grow in your love of God, and it fuels you to love your neighbor as yourself. We are convinced that while this sermon audio is beneficial, this should only be supplemental and not replace local church involvement, the pastor God has put over your life, or your commitment to gather in person with other believers to make more disciples for the fame of Jesus. Peace be with you. So it was March 10th. And it was on March 10th that I will never forget. March 10th is my wife's birthday. And in the main household, we don't just celebrate on a particular day. No, when it's somebody's birthday, we celebrate the entire week. It's birth week in the main household. One day out of the week, we go and grab donuts in the morning. Another day, we invite folks over for ice cream and cake, and we get to sing happy birthday. Another evening, we, we cook up uh, the person's favorite meal. And then on another night, we'll go out to eat to a restaurant. And as I'm talking to you about this, I'm slowly realizing that birthdays are just an excuse for the mains to eat a whole lot more often than we normally do. But on this particular day, this March 10th, was peculiar. We were in the final weeks of Lauren's pregnancy with Jack. 19 days after her birthday, we would welcome our fourth child into the world. And we were filling our lives with food. But it wasn't for my wife's birthday. Because this was March 10th, 2020. It was the birth of something else a global pandemic. See, what happened in a very short amount of time was a flip from celebration to concern. And in that moment, I would love to be a prime example of what it means to have peace within my soul when trouble is around me. But instead of a partying mindset for my wife's birthday, I had a worrying mindset. Not a thriving mentality, but a surviving mentality because various media outlets were telling me and all of my family members and my neighbors that we better stock up on food and water because this whole country could be shut down for two to four straight weeks. And begin to think and question, what if, what if the shelves that giant eagle don't have food? What if they're empty? What if my shelves at home don't have food? What if we run out of clean water because they have to shut down the water treatment facilities? Everything has to go on lockdown. What if? And what was I supposed to do with all this worry and turmoil and anxiety within my soul? You see, up until this point, Most of us have never had to wonder where we are going to get our next meal. We've never had to wonder where our next drink of clean water would come from. But for others, they often 
have to wonder where their food, where their drink is going to come from. Not because of a pandemic, it's because they are persecuted for following Jesus. You see, these disciples that are on the hillside, as they hear Jesus' words, do not be anxious. They know that when they follow Jesus, they will have much in Christ, but they might have little in the world. Little food to eat, little water to drink, and very few options of clothes to wear. And so what are Jesus' words for them? What happens when basic provisions, basic needs, basic sustenance is not as available as you would like it to be? What happens within your heart, within your soul? Worry and anxiety begins to bubble up, begins to boil to the surface. And so what are Jesus' words for those who might go days without food or drink? What is his invitation to us who might worry about these things? He's inviting us to not a life of fewer problems on the outside, but fewer problems on the inside. He's not telling us that we will have less worrisome scenarios in our life, but he is telling us and inviting us to have a less worrisome soul. And he'll do this by telling us one thing. Do not be anxious. If you're going to hear any words from Jesus this morning, he's inviting you to not worry, to not be anxious. And we're going to see that through three lenses this morning. He'll invite us first what not to do. Second, how not to do it. And third, why not to do it. What not to do, how not to do it, why not to do it. You all ready to dive in? Keep those Bibles open. First point, what not to do. Don't be anxious. He says, therefore, Matthew 6, 25. Therefore, I tell you, do not be anxious about your life. What you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. Is life not more than food and the body more than clothing? Now, every time that you pick up this Bible... And you see that word, therefore. Here's the question I want you to ask every time. What is the therefore, therefore? What is the therefore, therefore? And the answer always comes when you scroll up. When you scroll your eyes up a little bit further, that therefore is there to tell us, in light of everything that I just told you, Now, practice this. In simplest terms, he's saying, what is true, that is the indicative, fuels and forms what you do, the imperative. What is true forms and fuels what to do. He says, therefore, don't be anxious. Why? He says, don't be anxious because what you treasure The kingdom of God and his righteousness can never be destroyed, and it can never be taken away from you. And if that is what you treasure, therefore, don't be anxious. 
Jesus is saying that the gospel of God's grace that wasn't earned by you and cannot be unearned by you can never be taken away from you. You, therefore, don't have to worry anymore. You don't have to worry about your life. And even more, it's not just what we treasure that gives us the truth into what we are to do. Not only our treasure is secure, but every basic need is sure. See, when we pray the prayer, keep scrolling up in your Bibles. When we pray the prayer, Lord, give us this day our daily bread. It's God's promise that he will provide for us what we cannot provide for ourselves. And so therefore, Jesus says, in light of this good news, in light of this promise that he will provide these things for you, don't be anxious about these basic needs. Don't be anxious about food and drink and clothing. Why? These are unworthy treasures to concern your life with. Now, we have to pause for a quick second. I have to press pause for a quick second because if there is one thing that is prevalent in our society and our first world culture is that we live in an anxious age. Everybody's talking about anxiety. This is the emotional health issue. This is the mental health issue. It's the buzzword of the day. And that's why we have chosen to slow down in this passage. We've chosen to slow down and break the whole of this teaching down into three separate teachings where we're talking about food this week, clothing next week, and how God provides us everything that we need the week following. Now, I need you to say this with me. Can you say, with anxiety? That was okay. We'll try better on the next one. Comes complexity. With anxiety comes complexity. So let me just say quickly, without too much explanation, what Jesus is not talking about when he says, do not be anxious. Jesus is not He's not telling someone who has been clinically diagnosed by a physician with PTSD, clinical depression, or an anxiety or disorder. He's not telling them to stop being anxious. It's not the anxiety Jesus is talking about here. If anything, Jesus has deep compassion for those who suffer from those debilitating psychological and mental health illnesses. He's not referring to those when he says, do not be anxious. The second thing Jesus is not referring to here is the natural emotional response that is a gift from God when we perceive that something is a threat, that something is terrifying, and that something is life-altering. When we consider and we're aware of the possible outcome of the future, there is a natural emotion that bubbles up that we would say is a gift. Joe Carter, he's the editor of the Gospel Coalition. He explains these types of emotions as fear and anxiety. You'll see it up on the screen. Fear, he says, is an emotional response to real or perceived immediate threat. Anxiety is an emotional response to a real or perceived future threat. Fear is physiological and or emotional warning system that alerts us to danger right now 
while anxiety is a warning system of impending danger. What I just read is not what Jesus is talking about, to not be anxious, but it's more similar to what the Apostle Paul was experiencing as he wrote to the church in Corinth, because he was deeply troubled that the church was losing its faith in the resurrection of Jesus. Because look at the word that the Apostle Paul uses in 2 Corinthians. He says, and apart from the other things, there is the daily pressure on me of my, say it with me, anxiety for all the churches. So just as there, it seems like, it seems this way, it seems this way that just as there is godly anger, there's also sinful anger of men. Just as there is worldly grief, there's also godly grief with hope. And just as there could be good anxiety that warns us about threat to good things, like the super apostles' false teaching in the church at Corinth that Paul was anxious about, it also seems like, from Jesus' words, there is an anxiety that Jesus wants to expose as sin. So when Jesus says, don't be anxious, now I'd like to tell you, What he is referring to. He is telling us not to be anxious like who? Just look down a little bit in verse 32. Don't be anxious like the Gentiles, the pagans, and the rest of the world who think that they alone have to provide for themselves what only God can provide for them. Don't be anxious like them, he says. Because this type of anxiety is rooted in the lack of trust of God's control, God's care, and God's sovereignty. It is an anxiety that is rooted in the belief that if I stop working, God will stop working. It is rooted in the belief that if I slumber, so will God. It's rooted in the belief that if you do not provide for you, God will not provide for you and no one else will provide for you. This is the anxiety Jesus is referring to. It's a lack of trust that God will provide. It's a lack of trust that God knows what you need. You see, he says, therefore, Therefore, don't be anxious because your treasure is no longer in earthly possessions. He says, don't be anxious because your treasure is in heaven. And when your treasure controls your heart, it will also control your emotions. You can trust God to provide for you the food, the drink, and the clothing. Why? Because you are of more value. Your life is of more importance than those earthly treasures. This is what Jesus is inviting us to not do. Don't be anxious. Don't worry. But how? How are we not to do this? Well, let's look at what Jesus says next in verse 26. He said, look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. So Jesus 
He's telling those who are created from the dust, image bearers, created in the image of God, their creator is telling them, look at creation. Look to the skies. Look to the birds. And some of your translations might say sparrows. He's saying in verse 26, they're not like the farmer. They're not like humans who have to cultivate the ground, sow in and out of season. They don't have to harvest like the farmer. They don't have to reap the harvest and then store into barns for a wintertime famine. No. They actually take no part in creating and cultivating their own food. And yet, he says, your heavenly Father, the same heavenly Father you pray to to give us this day our daily bread, that heavenly Father feeds them. He feeds them. Now, I'm sure many of you have been there before. You open up the refrigerator door, the cupboard, or you go on Uber Eats, right? And just like the, the person who walks into their closet on a Friday evening and it's full of clothes and they say, I have nothing to wear, you say, oh, there is nothing in this house to eat or drink. This is not the worrying about food that Jesus is talking about. So when we worry about food, we worry about options between what we prefer to what we would think tastes good or not taste good. But what Jesus' disciples are facing is not the choice between food and beverages. They have no choice at all. They either go hungry, they go hungry. They either thirst or they thirst. And their lack of food is due to their blessed state of persecution. Let me say that again because I don't think you heard me. Their lack of food is due to their blessed state. Blessed are the persecuted because of their commitment to Jesus. This is not all that different than what we are seeing play out on the worldwide stage in Afghanistan. We're brothers and sisters in Christ are receiving threats from the Taliban, saying, we know who you are, and we are coming for you. They've shut down access to ATMs and to banks, to now where the church has no access to get their money to purchase food or drink. Our brothers and sisters lack food. They lack food beverages. They lack water. They lack clothing. And what are Jesus' words to them and to us? Look to the skies. Look at the birds of the air. The bird, one of the busiest creatures in all of creation. He says, look at them. Look at what they are doing. You have, have any of y'all watched birds before? They don't stop like that child back there. <laughs> they don't stop working. What Jesus is inviting us into is not an absence of work, but absence of anxiety as we work. See, embedded in this physical world, in God's beautiful creation, 
are these constant theological reminders that God cares for you. That God has not forgotten about you. The birds point to the loving care that God has for you. This is what theologians call general revelation. Say general revelation. General revelation is everything in God's world that points to the fact that God is not just the creator, but the sustainer and the provider. Paul speaks of it this way in Romans 1, 19 through 20. He says, for what can be made known about God is plain to them. That is all of the world because God has shown it to them. For his invisible attributes, namely his eternal power and divine nature, have been clearly, I love that, clearly perceived ever since the what? The creation of the world and the things that have been made. God's power. God as sustainer. God as provider. Has been clearly perceived through what? General revelation. God revealing himself through what he has created. See, there is an invitation here, Christian. There's an invitation, brother. There's an invitation, sister, for you to look at creation. Where Paul, in that passage that we read earlier, he says, if you are anxious, yes, pray. But then he goes on to say, I want you to think. Don't just pray, think. I want you to think about God's glorious world and all that he created. Think about what is true. Think about what is beautiful, what is lovely, what is pure. Think about these things. Because when we think about these things, we are reminded that just as God cares for the birds, so he cares for us. It's almost as if Jesus is saying he's pulling us out of our troubled lives. He's getting us to pause so that we can reset. Look at these hard-working birds. There is a way for you to work, to move in and out of your circles of life without anxiety. There is a way to work hard that's not driven by your worry. Why? He says to Think about who feeds them. Your father feeds them. Your father who knows what you need before you ask him. Your father whose name is hallowed, is set apart. Your father whose kingdom come and his will be done. Your father that when we pray for our daily bread, he promises to provide for us what we need. And hear me, church. If you do not have what you think you need now, that is evidence that your father knows that you don't need those things right now. Do you hear me? If there is something in your mind right now that you are saying, I need right now, that is evidence that your Father, who knows what you need before you ask, is saying to you, take a deep breath. You don't need that right now. How are we to do this? Know that the same God who does not forget about the birds, does not forget about you. 
why? We talked about the what, we talked about the how, but why? Why aren't we to worry? Verse 27. Are you of not more value than they? And which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to his span of life? Now, what I want you to think about is the treasure principle that we talked about last week. Do you remember the treasure principle? That you cannot serve God and money at the same time. Cannot serve God and mammon. What was mammon? Mammon was just, wasn't just money, but it's what money afforded you. Property and possessions. And if you served property and possessions, what do those things get you in life? Security for the future. Seeming control about the future. That if you can get more of this, then there'll be less anxiety within your soul because you have stored up for your future. You have planned well. You cannot serve them both. And why do I call this temporary security? Because those things will only last as long as you can hold on to them. They will only last as slow as you can eat them or drink them or before a thief comes and steals them. See, Jesus knows that we are value-oriented, treasure-oriented people because he created us to treasure things. He created us to desire things. He created us to worship things, but not to worship things of this world, but to worship the one who has created us and the rest of the world. You see, what you treasure will ultimately control your hearts. And what control your hearts controls your actions, your thoughts, and your emotions. Let me ask you, are you working? Are you moving in and through life as if you alone have to provide for you? As if you alone have to keep trouble at bay? You see, every moment of anxiety and worry is a war for your soul. See, the difficulties that you find in anxious times are occasions for your anxiety, not the cause of your anxiety. Do you hear that? The difficult times that you find yourself in are simply the occasion for anxiety, not the cause of your anxiety. To understand the cause, you have to look deeper. Worry and rest always reveal what you treasure the most. You see, if your soul is at rest most, when you treasure, what you treasure the most is secure. But you will worry the most when what you treasure is most at risk. What does your world of anxiety, your world of worry, reveal about the true treasure of your heart? 
See, anxiety, this word, back in the ancient Near East during Jesus' time, it was a symbol of choking, of strangulation. And what Jesus is saying, this type of anxiety strangles your life. It chokes out opportunities for life. It does not add to your life, he says in verse 27, but it takes the breath of life away. And what Jesus wants to do here, he wants to give you a brand new treasure principle. That when you see that your treasure is in Christ, in heaven, at the right hand of God, there is another treasure principle there. Right? Jesus is setting up a new treasure principle. Do you remember what he said back in verse 25? That your life is more valuable than food. That your life is more than what you drink. Your life is more than what the clothes you wear. He says, look at what you treasure, and then look at what your heavenly Father values. You. Did you notice that? You are worried about the things that are less valuable than you to your Father in heaven. Your life is more than food. Your life is more than what you wear. Your life is more valuable than what you value in this life. And when you worry about those earthly treasures, it does not add to your life. It chokes out your life. Many of you have had anxiety attacks before. Feel as if you can't even breathe. Aren't you, Jesus says, of more value than the rest of creation? Some of you know that I struggle with anxiety. Hi, my name is Rob, and I have anxiety issues. When I speak to my counselor about my anxieties, we've, we've decided that anxiety is a helpful phrase, worry is a helpful phrase, but we've attached this other phrase that we've, we've learned about my soul when it gets anxious. And maybe you can relate. We have this phrase called obsessive thinking. Obsessive thinking. He explained to me that when I begin to obsessively think and either plan for the future or to protect my future, I'm beginning to believe that I can manage my anxiety, manage the perceived or real threats of the future. And what I think that I'm doing is managing my emotions, managing my anxiety, but in all actuality, I'm just inducing more anxiety. And when I induce more anxiety, you know what I begin to feel? Shame. I begin to feel less valued because of how anxious I am. Do you know what he's saying to me? Do you know what Jesus is saying to us? They're saying the same thing in verse 27. Why aren't we to be anxious? It's because managing anxiety, obsessive thinking, trying to control the future does not add more hours to your life like you think it does. It only adds more anxiety and worry. Do you hear me? Do I hear me? But when I remember, when you remember, that I'm more valued by my Father than what I value on this earth. I'm more value 
When I remember that the one who controls all things, the one who controls the breakfast menu, the lunch menu, the dinner menu for all the creatures of this earth, when I remember that, my heart begins to slow down. And God doesn't remove anxious scenarios from my life. But what he does do is give me a less anxious soul. For what controls my soul, my Father who is in control, will control my thoughts, my actions, and my emotions. And he's inviting you. He's inviting you to hit pause right now. To hit pause and reset. He says, look. Look at general revelation. I want you to look at the mountainside, look at the clouds, look at the mighty rivers, look at the sun, moon, and the stars that obey me, look at the golden fields of wheat, look at the lush lined vineyards and orchards that you see, look at all that I've made. Look at the birds, the fish, the livestock. Look at the majestic elk and the black bear in central Pennsylvania. And let your mind be filled with awe and wonder that the God who has created every single one of those things has not forgotten about them. And the God who created you has not forgotten about you. And how do we know this? It's through special revelation. What is special revelation? Well, general revelation is what God reveals to us in his world about himself. Special revelation is what God reveals to us in his word. And what does his word tell us? That we are more valued than the rest of creation. And how do we know where's the proof that is in the pudding that we are of more value than the rest of creation? It's in Jesus. It's in Jesus that he has come. He has come to this earth because he valued saving our life more than he valued saving his own life. And he did this at the cost of his life. He lost his life so that we can gain life, so that he can provide for us not just hours to our life, but eternity to our life. You see, when Jesus was in the garden... Sweats of blood come down on his skin. He knew the trouble that was before him. And what does Jesus, the perfect son of man without sin, do? He prays to his father who cares for him. Father, if there is another way, take this cup from me. But then he trusts. He trusts in the Father who is in control, who has this plan laid before the foundation of the world. Not my will, Jesus says. Your will. And in the face of fear, he went with joy to the cross. Because on that cross, he took our greatest fear, our greatest anxiety, our greatest worry, has God forgotten me? And the answer is no. He has not forgotten you because he has forsaken his son. He takes off our greatest fear. Has, does God care about me? And the answer is yes. He who did not spare his own son but gave him up for us all, will he not also in Christ give us all things? 
And what is all things when we turn from our anxious ways, we turn from our trust in earthly things and turn towards Christ? What's the promise? That he will be with us. He will never leave us. He will never forsake us. The cross stills our greatest fears, but even more, the resurrection stills our greatest anxieties. The empty tomb, don't you see that because of the resurrection, the promise is that God will always provide. Do you hear me? He, the promise is he will provide. He either will provide you a feast now or he will provide you a feast later. The feast is coming. You will feast. And he provides for us what we cannot provide for ourselves, not just food on a shelf, but a feast for eternity with him in Christ. He provides for us not just additional hours to our life, but in Christ he provides us eternal life. Do you want to know how to add hours to your life? Oh, don't be anxious. Don't be anxious about what you'll eat, what you'll drink, about these earthly things that you think hold so much value. Oh, put your treasure in Christ. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. And if in Christ, the resurrected Jesus, if his future is secure, and if our faith is in him, that means our future is sure. Christ, who is our sure and steady anchor, we sing, through the floods of unbelief, hopeless somehow. Oh, my soul now, lift your eyes to Calvary. This is the ballast of my assurance. See his love forever proved. I will hold fast to the anchor. It shall never, no, never be removed. Oh, church, Oh, Rob, do not be anxious. In this world, we will face many trials and troubles. But take heart. Jesus has overcome the world. Amen? Oh, how often we forget this. How often does our worry and anxiety reveal the treasure of our hearts?